Hey, and welcome back to Game Talk. I'm your host, Evan Mion. Today, I'm joined by Connor. Hey, guys. And Mike. Hello. And if you guys check out the video component to this podcast, you'll see us playing Spyro 3. Actually, Connor, do you want to tell them a little about what you're trying to do here in Spyro? Uh, yeah, I'm just kind of trying to learn the Spyro Year of the Dragon speedrun. And uh, you're going to see me doing the trick that I just actually managed to pull off basically a billion times because I cannot get any consistency with it at all. And uh, that's basically it. I'm just kind of learning the tricks for fun. Yeah, I, I think the idea is clicking. that eventually we'll want to do like the three of us on this podcast will do a speed run uh, of the same game. And we're thinking Spyro 3 and just to sort of compete with each other and see who can get the best speed run and just talk about speed runs in general. Yeah, I, I, I did want it to be this game, but after learning a bit of it, I think I yeah, I think I might a bit off more than I can chew. The, yeah, the tutorial I've been following is about two and a half hours long, and I've only gotten about uh, 30 minutes into it in the weekend I've been learning this. God, nah. Yeah, because none of us really have experience with speedrunning except for Mike, right? Like, Yeah. Right, and I think this is going to be very different from what you're used to, Mike, right? Because, I mean, this isn't Mass Effect. This is Spire of the I mean, Dragon. I did know, learn like, a little bit of Hat in Time, too. Oh, okay. A little bit. Yeah, the only experience I have is actually very recent with uh, Astro's Playroom. They have like a speedrun mode, but those are very short, like one to two minute levels each. They're not even the main levels of the game. So I d- definitely do not have experience like speedrunning an entire game. I can only imagine how stressful that'd be, you know, like say you're like two hours into the run and then something bad happens and it's basically just. Well, uh, that's one of the reasons I picked Spyro is because the run. The time I'd like to beat is an hour, which I think is extremely doable. Like, I think I could miss almost every trick quite a few times and still beat an yeah. hour. Because the, the record is, like, low 27 or high 26, I think. Okay. And so I thought an hour is a super doable goal for us, even if we do pretty bad. Yeah, I mean, obviously we're not going to be competitive yeah. in the sense of like top in the world or anything like that yeah i mean i'd love to get sub 30 minutes that would be incredible for me but i don't see it happening not not when i have you know i got a job i got a side gig going on i play a lot of minecraft lately <laughs> yeah okay so yeah so check out our youtube for that spyro gameplay but to kick things off today uh, before we get into our main topic, I kind of just wanted to bring up a couple things. First of which is that uh, as we were recording today, today is the day that Hitman 3 comes out. Ah, uh, gotta play that. So, yeah, everything I've seen about this game, you know, it seems like another remarkable Hitman title. IO Interactive has really just sort of mastered that formula of game. And something I saw in a review about this game really sort of piqued my interest in that they said it was the closest we'll ever get to a real Mission Impossible game, and that really appeals to me, because I find, especially, like, the more modern Mission Impossible movies to be, like, the perfect action films. So I'm excited to get my hands on it and try it out. See, I think that's a funny thing to say, because they are actually taking on the James Bond franchise. Exactly, yeah. I, I almost feel like maybe because this game is more... From what little I've seen, it seems a lot more, like, bombastic, like... Like, the set pieces that, are insane. That's kind of the trend it was taking with 2. Like, yeah. 2 had some pretty crazy set pieces and stuff that were super so fun. I feel like maybe that's just ramping them up to finally do that Bond game justice. 
which is which yeah. is exciting. I think. I think if anyone can pull up a Bond game, it's IO. Oh my God! Yeah, I think I think that they are going to like. I'm not going to sit here and say that Goldeneye is a bad game or anything, but an FPS doesn't make sense as a Bond game to me. That's yeah, exactly. Nonsense. You know, I mean, th- but, that game was just like an FPS in a time where FPS is like weren't like that widespread. You know, and it was. It was it was like important for its time, right? But like that could have not been Bond. It could have just been any FPS. You know what I mean? Like the GoldenEye just had like Bond characters and stuff, but like the gameplay didn't really scream Bond in any way to me. So no, I I agree. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to check out Hitman Three. I'll probably download it after this podcast. I'm so. I don't know if I'm gonna pick it up yet because I haven't beat two yet. So the thing with, so I'm actually like I've probably played less Hitman than the both of you. Like I'm just kind of like a an outsider when it comes to the Hitman oh, franchise. And Hitman. I, okay, well that's okay. So you've played less than me. Yeah. But I like I I respect it more than I actually play it, and I do want to play them like all the way through. Like I've played bits and pieces of one and two, but I just never had the time to sit down and play them through. And I do intend to do that. But the reason I really want to buy Hitman Three right off the bat. Is because I know IO struggles with sales of these games for whatever reason, and yeah, to the point fair. where, like, after Hitman yeah. One, like Hitman Two, I heard like almost didn't even get made because no one bought Hitman One, which is well, just Hitman absurd. One had like an episodic release and like yeah, they broke off the Square. Problems. Yeah, that had a ton of issues. But yeah, like I don't know. I th- I definitely think their 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 games are very top tier, and I I, I do want to support them. Yeah, so, I I might pick it up because you can also um, I mean, do you have um two and two and one? Yes. Yep. Because uh, the beauty of Hitman Three is that it actually shrinks the download size for uh those two games. Right. Uh, you, you can, can have you the can, entire like, trilogy installed for eighty gigs. Yeah, and, that's uh, really great, and you can access them both from the Hitman Three game menu, right? Yeah. Which is just awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah. I might just go on a Hitman binge here. Uh. And just yeah, do that. That sounds pretty great. Yeah, I'll probably I'll probably pick it up tonight. I I am a little disappointed. I don't actually know the answer yet, but I assume because I haven't seen anything about it, the answer is no. Uh, there's a VR mode, and I think it's not coming to PC. I think it's PlayStation exclusive right now, which is very upsetting. Although I don't think it looks like a very good VR mode. I still like I like VR getting included in non VR games, even though that's not the best use of VR by a long shot. I uh, I don't know. Hitman just has such a fully fulfilled world that I think it would be. Yeah. But Sorry I was just gonna say, yeah. no, you're good. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was just gonna say, just the concept of Hitman and VR is is I think if done right would be so exciting. But again, we had this conversation last week a bit. You know, like doing things right in VR to the point where they're like viral still. It, that that doesn't happen enough yet. So, well, I think I, I think releasing a next gen game with a VR mode on a exclusively on a console that doesn't have its next gen VR yet right. that's that's a colossal yeah. waste. But I'm sure you know Sony funded this VR mode. I'm sure, and like they probably weren't certain on the timing of when it was going to come out. I'm, I bet it is coming out to previous gen consoles, isn't it? Yeah, Hitman 3 is available on everything, like PS4, PS5, Xbox yeah. One, Xbox Series, yeah. PC, obviously. I just think it is not, a shame not to, in 2020, 
or 2021 released something on a VR headset as colossally outdated as PSVR is at this point. Yeah. 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 The, like you said, like I, I actually haven't heard anything about the exclusivity as far as the VR mode is concerned, but if it is Sony exclusive, you can imagine that uh, Sony paid them to do that or something, yeah. something to that effect. But yeah, I just kind of wanted to get that out there. I, I'm excited for this game. More so than the other two, just because uh, I, from what I've seen, it just, it just, uh, it, it's like the perfect mix of like that Hitman gameplay mixed with like Uncharted X esque set pieces, and that's sort of what I'm looking for right now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I don't know. I Uncharted esque is a stretch. I'm sorry, it's taken me a second to respond to things occasionally. No, no, understandable. Focused. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, I think Uncharted esque is a huge stretch for Hitman, but well, kinda... okay. Let's be fair. I don't think any game quite does set pieces like Uncharted, but like, yeah, it, I mean, I feel like the closest is the new Tomb Raider games, game. but yeah. even they, you know, they don't match it. But Hitman doesn't have set pieces quite like that, in my opinion. I missed it. All right. So yeah, just wanted to get that out there. Uh, I think Mike, you you have some more words uh, about Cyberpunk. You want to air your grievances? Oh God, I'm so so sick of the negativity. Like it's it's like I don't I don't know anymore. Like anytime a game releases and it's not what people expected, it's met with immediate negativity for people who will never play the game. Yes. Like you see that saw that with Last of Us. Even though there were valid criticisms, it was uh demolished in a storm of people who will never ever play the game and yeah, thank god nobody on this podcast is guilty of that yeah thank god <laughs> we're not guilty of that i'll play it eventually it's in my backlog <laughs> so my, so mike the the thing with cyberpunk is yes that's happening with cyberpunk too but do you think it's also because of the performance issues uh it could partially be because of the performance issues but a lot of the criticisms levied are levied not even because of performance because people again i'm not even going to defend cdpr they did do some they did uh they did a they did a little no man's sky with it mm-hmm. i i and, honestly think what they did was arguably worse than no man's sky uh because no man's sky ran pretty well it just didn't yeah. do some things yeah I, I think i agree especially they promised when you hear a lot about, of things in yeah. cyberpunk that just weren't pushed through but at the same time we got to get rid of this negativity. It it wears on you really fast. It wears on me with No Man's Sky. Where it's wearing on me now, with Cyberpunk. Like yeah. the amount of hype backlash that we get in games now is ridiculous. As somebody who didn't play either of those games at launch, it doesn't wear on me at all. I just find it hilarious. Uh, so it wears on me because I played both well, at launch. Well, exactly. Yeah. So like, I guess for people who are sort of divorced from it like you and me connor like i have no intention of playing cyberpunk until it's like in its final form as i yeah, said until before. it reaches the point no man's sky is at now yeah which i i do play now and then i i i really fully believe that when i play it in that state it'll be like a glorious gaming experience but you know like obviously the people who have been following the cyberpunk news for months even years the people who have you know took days off of work for the launch of this game multiple times, multiple times. <laughs> as it kept getting delayed. Uh, yeah, those people, like, 
obviously their expectations were sky high. And uh, anytime that happens, you know, like you're really history shows us that like not many times can the hype be met. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, you know, it's interesting, right? Like I, I hear so like all my exposure to cyberpunk has just been through online discourse about it. And yes, like Mike said, there's so much negativity and backlash. There's so much criticism of the unfinished state of the game. And that's rightfully so. But, like, what's weird to me is, anecdotally, all of my friends that I've talked to are in love with the game, you know? Like, yeah, no, the game's very polarizing. It's fundamentally a good game. So, again, is it, so, is the polar, what, what's causing the polarization besides the bugs? Is it because, like, people, it's not the second coming of Jesus like some people thought it would be? Yeah, so, that- I think some people bought too far into the hype. And thought it'd be like the second coming of Grand Theft Auto Gone Wild or whatever. Oh, okay, yeah. And when you look at the size of CDPR compared to Rockstar, they're not going to put out games like Red Dead 2. CDPR is a company of, what, a thousand people? And Rockstar has like three studios that all work on one game at a time? Yeah, I mean, no one can really compare themselves to Rockstar, really. No one can compare to Rockstar. And we're at the point with Rockstar games where Rockstar games are their own genre. You cannot compare them to any game other than themselves. Yeah, I mean, they're just that. As we've stated before, you know, like stuff. GTA 5 is the highest grossing entertainment product of all time, you know? So, like, when that much money is in play, you know, you've got, you've got an equivalent amount of effort put into the game in terms of manpower and talent. Yeah, but but yeah, like it, it, it's so interesting to me because like online, all I ever see is like CDPR are liars, they're trash, the game sucks. But then like I I get texts from my my very good friend from high school who I know doesn't really play. He's not like a gamer, right? Like he's he plays maybe one or two games every year, right? Like he has like an Xbox One. He's he's doesn't he's not like wired into the ecosystem at all. Like very very casual. And he texts me and he's like, "Dude, you have to play Cyberpunk. This game's incredible." And I was, I was kind of surprised because, like, I, I, I know Cyberpunk's like a mainstream game, but like, he usually only plays like, you know, Madden and Star Wars titles and stuff like that. But he, here he was telling me about Cyberpunk, and I was just like, "Yeah, like, are you seeing any bugs or anything like that playing on, you know, base Xbox One?" And he said. No, he's he was he was just saying like yeah the performance is locked at like 30 fps but like he's had no issues so far so there is no way that performance is locked at 30 fps it's it's, it's probably not but you know probably like, not yeah I mean I'm glad he's having is. fun with it yeah but that's just not true <laughs> but uh no he's he's really enjoying the game and it's it's funny like he was the last person I would expect to even have heard of the game rather than buy it at full price and play it. And he's just one of many examples, like my other friends who play games regularly, like I still see them, like all on my friends list and stuff, playing cyberpunk and really enjoying it. So, and and uh, it's just I- interesting to me that that dichotomy is there, like just, you know, locally, like in my circles, like if that was all I had to gauge things off of, everything's fine. But like second you go online, it's obviously a completely different story. Yeah, it's. Online online discourse and gaming and in a lot of things is just toxic ninety percent of the time. 
Like it's it's not fun to be a fan of games when everyone's like that game's garbage, and you'll always find that one guy who has the best opinion. It's it's really weird, you know. Like I I I wonder like if someone like really looked and studied it, right? Like obviously you see kind of similar things with like people and sports teams, but like. I feel like gamers just take it to a weird level, you know, like where they line up, they defend their side for, for, you know, like for what, (laughs) you know, like, what does it matter to you? Like, what is it, what do you gain by being a Sony fanboy or Microsoft fanboy, you know? A big part of it is our investment. Like, you know, I want to say that PC is the best platform to play games on because I spent like two grand on my PC. And if I'm wrong, yeah. That's $2,000 I've wasted, you know? Yeah. And same, you know, people spend $600 on a game console or even $60 on a game. That's a much bigger investment than the, like, exactly, 10 bucks yeah. you spent to go to a theater and see a movie, you know? Plus yeah. your time investment, you know? Like, you know, you're somebody who spent uh, 150 hours playing Cyberpunk. And Very you see true. somebody saying that that was a terrible game and you're, you know, that is indirectly that person is saying that you've wasted 200 hours of your life. Like, that's yeah, not fun that's, to hear. Those are those are great points. Yeah. Like, I I don't know. Like, part of me just wishes like we could divorce ourselves a little bit from our personal invest, investment into a game or a product and just look at it critically. But I know that's not really possible. I mean, I feel like. I mean, I feel like I can, but I have more spending money than a lot of people do. So, like, yeah. I don't think it matters True. that I yeah. can do that, you know? It's not it's not impressive. It's just that that $60 isn't worth the same thing to me that it is that it does to other people. I'm blessed enough to have, you know, that I can yeah. buy Hitman 3 today because I like the company and not because I have any intention of playing the game today. <laughs> valid, valid points, yeah. Yeah, so I, I have a hard time blaming anybody. Yeah, I, yeah, okay. So, so, okay, yes, I agree with you. But at the same time, that does not excuse the level of, like, sheer cancer. Oh, yeah, present. no. There's, there's uh, no excuse to be a child about it, you know? There's no excuse yeah. to be telling developers to kill themselves. And there, There's yeah. no excuse for it. Like, I get that the game was a disaster at launch. I get it didn't get all this the features that were kind of hyped up in marketing. But I I always read people who have no idea about game development, think they know about game development, because a lot of people were like, uh, Cyberpunk's been in development since 2012 when the teaser was posted. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. That's so called reproduction. One, one thing that really makes me mad about AAA game development is the in, the immense focus on development for the E3 demo. You know, like... Sometimes these dev- developers spend months or even like a year or two prepping for an E3 demo to show off a vertical slice of the game and then haven't really built anything else for the rest of the game. Yeah. I think the the case was similar for Cyberpunk, right? Like the the slice they showed at E3 that was just built for E3, right? Then they took chunks of that obviously and incorporated it in the main game, but like I don't know. Like it's the the focus on marketing and making things look shiny, even if they aren't really shiny, is just so immense. I guess because that's what generates the mo- most money, but it it al- almost is never like the most truthful way of presenting things. That's far from exclusive to the AAA space, oh. though. I mean, I developing for Spectrum. Mm-hmm. Remember me and Gabby like 
you know, trying to figure out what we could show, what what we would wall off before our demos and everything. And it would be like when when you're working right. while also trying to get your degree and stuff, a weekend is a very long time to spend on something like this. And we would I, do that. We would spend a weekend like getting our game ready, even though pretty much everything we did that weekend was going to get thrown away. OK, yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I get it, right? But, like, at that point, there's, like, I, I feel like people who are invested in the industry, right? Like, obviously, casual consumer won't really care that what they showed at E3 isn't reflective of the final game. But, like, at least at this point, if you've been in this for, for you know, a couple of years or so, you should know that, like, E3 doesn't equate to, like, you'll actually be playing this when the game comes out. Yeah, and I think but, because the E3 demo of Cyberpunk was so polished and mind blowing, like I've I heard about that E3 demo for, you know, eons after that happened. You know, like all that's what really brought the hype for Cyberpunk. You know, before there was hype because it was CD Projekt Red, their Witcher Three was immense. You know, like and now they're making this insane Cyberpunk game, right? But you know, the hype was solidified by that demo, and. Yeah. Yeah, that all sort of crashed and burned. Yeah, I. But that hype. I mean, that hype made them a lot of money. I have a hard oh, time yeah. faulting them for doing it, you know. And I, I do think that eventually, you know. I mean, obviously, I still the, think, the executives you know, it, were. The executives are at fault here. I don't think anybody is doubting that. But. No. Well, nobody with a brain is. But um. I just I think that that game is eventually going to live up to that E3 demo. Yeah, and so I, I have a hard think time. So too. Like, if we just judge CD Projekt by their history, they we we should know they're good for it, right? They'll they'll do it. It mm-hmm. just sucks that you know, like, <laughs> I think we've said the same thing for the past like two or three episodes. This game should not have come out last year. Yeah. But yeah, Mike. So overall, you're you're enjoying it, right? Yeah. From what I played, yeah. You you mentioned you actually only put like twenty hours in it. Twenty two. I'm waiting it? on a new graphics card that way I can stop playing okay. at seven twenty. <laughs> yep. Understandable. Yeah. What are you getting? Out of curiosity. Uh, seven twenty. Uh, on medium, I'm getting sixty. Uh that's not what I meant. I meant graphics card. <laughs> oh, I'm getting a ten seventy. My bro- little brother's upgrading his computer. Upgraded his computer, and I'm just stealing the graphics card out of it. I feel that. I'm still waiting on my uh. 3080 to get here. It'll be a while. I'm still waiting for the 3070 to be available to purchase. Dude, you should have ordered from that dude when I sent him to you. I should. You probably have it by now. The 3070 is less rare than the 3080. Is it really? I think so. They made more of them. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I mean, I really wanted the Founders Edition, but I guess it doesn't matter too much. It, it, you're not going to get a Founders Edition, my guy. But doesn't NVIDIA restock those? Uh, yeah, but you're going to be waiting. I, I have a feeling by the time you could get one, they are not going to be restocking it anymore. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. I I know they look nice, but I wouldn't wait. Well, yeah, I'll figure it out. Yeah. Then, you know, like PC gaming isn't that big of a deal to me. So that's why I haven't really moved with that much urgency. But, but yeah. I just want to play Minecraft with RTX. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's the mood. Speaking of Minecraft, I think uh, the main thing we wanted to discuss today was the idea of 
comfy games, right? So yeah, yeah. that one just, one or two games that you over the years you always go back to and you always wow. have a good time playing. Even more than that, I think a lot of people got into gaming. I don't know if anybody in our audience did, but a lot of people got into gaming because of uh, Animal Crossing this year. And if I had to describe Animal Crossing with one word, it would be comfy. Yeah, so that's that's interesting. So I think we were thinking about it in two different ways, which are both completely valid, of course. But like mm-hmm. when when you said comfy games, I was actually thinking of something that like something that you return to over the years that like you reliably play you a, reliably a tremendous amount of comfort yeah have fun with you know but like obviously there's also a genre of games like you know animal crossing minecraft i would argue stardew valley yep. you know harvest moon sure. that that are literally just comfortable to play there's no very little stress in them very uh, actually no like twitchy interactions it's just you play it and you enjoy the progression you know yeah and even, yeah, I, I, I've been playing a lot of Minecraft for that reason. I find it uh, extremely soothing, I would say, to just sit back and, like, dig the 3 by 3 tunnel for my mineshaft and everything. And, yeah, you know, hang out, gather materials while my friends are building in multiplayer. Yeah, Minecraft is probably the most, I think, famous comfy game. Like, everyone's played Minecraft. Everyone has yeah. a Minecraft story. Yeah. And, like, yeah. I, I don't know about you guys, but I for sure... Even, like, Minecraft Hardcore I've played a couple of times. I always have to build, like, a nice little fishing spot and everything. And just vibe and listen to the that great C418 soundtrack and hang out. Yeah, the soundtrack to Minecraft is is key to its comfiness. That that soundtrack is stellar. Yeah, it's... Yeah. It'll, it'll it's, lower your blood pressure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you could prescribe that soundtrack. <laughs> but yeah, like when I yeah, so comfy games to me, yeah, obviously Minecraft is one. Uh Maple Story for me, I guess. Yeah, I was one, gonna say I well I think Maple Story not just for you. I think MMOs are extremely comfy in general. And I think that's intentional because yeah. they want you to feel at home in those worlds so that you'll spend more time in them. And so yeah. Maple Story has that that killer soundtrack and then, you know, that obvious, you know, Ma- um, yeah. You know, it's weird loop. to say Maple Story is probably the most like twitchy, comfy game that I play. Like, see, I I find Spire, I find speedrunning Spyro Three extremely comfy, even though my hands hurt at the end of it. Like, I find it. I love the soundtrack. Stuart Copeland hit it out of the park. I find these graphics super charming, mm-hmm. and like, I played it as a kid, so it's got this lasting impact on me. It's super nostalgic, but also it's just. I mean, if you're playing it casually, it's, it's not a very hard game, but it's pretty twitchy right. in the speed. <laughs> yeah, I think N64 era 3D platformers also have that charm for me. Like, I can boot up. I know, I know, we disagree with this, but I could boot up Banjo Kazooie anytime and just feel at home playing that. I, game. I was gonna say the same about uh, Ocarina of Time and Super Mario oh, 64. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, and obviously, like a big part of that is nostalgia, right? Like because we played those games in like formative years growing up. Yeah. So, yeah, I think. Yeah, for sure. I think I think there are a lot of kids who will be describing Super Mario Odyssey the way we describe right. Super Mario sixty four yes. very soon. Yes, I, I agree with that completely. Uh, Mike, do you have any? Do you have any games like that? So my my comfy games are a little weirder because I love. Just like chilling out and playing strategy games. 
Yes, I can agree yeah. with you there too. So like right now, I'm super comfy just playing Hearts of Iron Four. Like there's something comfy about just you know winning World War Two or like conquering the world. It's just something yeah. comfy about it. Like yeah, not I can agree with that. I mean, Civ Five stressed out definitely gets you. It's not an RTS, but Civ Five gets you into that comfy, complacent oh, yes. mindset that can make your entire life melt away. Yeah, Civ Five and Civ Six like do that to me. They're very comfortable to play, but like. There's also a danger element to them because I will sit down to play like a round of Civ Six and then just not get up for like eight hours. Like that's happened before. So yeah, it's <laughs> Civ Civilization to me. Yes, it's comfortable, but it's also like uh hypnotic. I guess is the word. Yeah. Well, I think hip. I think hypnotic is like a key part of a comfy game. Uh, in, in some part. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it, you can't argue the Maple Story is not hypnotic. <laughs> yeah, uh, too hypnotic, I would argue. Did I ever tell you guys that uh, about the story of my friend who will go unnamed, that uh, like straight up just got addicted to Maple Story? Yeah, that culminated in him stealing his parents' credit card and charging for like <sighs> hacked items that got him banned like a few days later. <laughs> You, you've definitely told me about that. I don't know if yeah. you told the story on the podcast. Yeah. That's rough. Yeah. It, it, obviously, this happened at a very young age. but uh, I, I had a similar problem with an Exxon game, except I didn't steal a credit card. It's just everybody knew that that was what I did all the time. So for like two years, I think all I got for my birthday was Nexon cash. So yeah. I ended up not really of my own volition pouring some $200, $300 into a uh, and Nexon, very, you know, I bought some Maple Story stuff. I bought some Mobinogi stuff over the mm-hmm. years. Both extremely comfy games. Yeah, so I guess that 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 kind of leads into an inter- interesting comp- conversation. Can the comfiness be, you know, ha- have like a sort of dark element to it? You know, because devs can definitely use that to sort of convince nah. you to spend some money. <laughs> Nah, man, I, I spent that money because of a Skinner box, not because of... Well, in Maple Story, it's definitely the Skinner box. In Mabinogi, yeah, kind of. There was definitely a yeah. sinister side to the transactions in that game because they literally... The transactions made you move faster, and they oh, just no. put the towns really far apart, which is really scummy. <laughs> yeah. Like, looking That's back, funny. that game is just extremely scummy and some stuff like that, but I don't know. It is what it is. They yeah. they definitely reduced that over the years. Oh man, I messed up. Yeah, I don't know. Like for me, like there's there's only a couple genres that I would classify under being like, you know, a comfortable game for me. Uh, and like like for example, like I don't think I would ever call an FPS a comfy game. No, too for me at least too twitchy and flinch, flinchy. Yeah. I guess, yeah, you know, yeah. maybe something like Destiny would be the closest, but you know, it, even that is still Actually, Leaf's kind of comfy. Intense. No Leaf? way, dude. <laughs> no, uh, there's no it, way. If you're Big playing Arams, yeah, it's it's kind of comfy, because you just, you're literally playing by luck of the draw. Okay, I, but I like, think yeah. you're I think you're digging way deep into the personal comfiness that is not That's not the broad appeal comfort. Where uh, I, I don't know. I think there are some game modes in League that are comfier than other. Like game modes that don't rely on competitiveness and more as like I'm here to just have a good time and not care. I could I could I could see that argument, yeah. 
but you know, it just using the word comfy and league in the same sentence is just like it rubs me the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> the most toxic game on earth. No, that I think that title belongs to. Uh, I think that title's changed. I think that belongs to Fortnite right now. Really? See, Fortnite I, definitely okay, appeals yeah. to comfiness because. Uh, I, I I don't know, like the just the yeah. nature of a battle royale, right? Like. I'm always on edge on a battle royale. Like, yeah, no matter what it looks like, no matter what it plays like, you know. I, I definitely think there's an aspect of Fortnite. Like, they have all those side missions and stuff that you're doing around the map, or you're just kind of existing, and like they hold concerts in it. That's pure comfy. Uh, well, okay. So I've never actually checked out that mode because I like it's my all the same mode. Interaction it's just, with Fortnite. You're in the same uh, mode. You're just not playing to win, basically. Like, if you yeah. if you buy Battle Pass, you get, like, little missions and stuff that you have to do around the map during the round. And, like, that's super comfy to do. I think they changed that, though. Really? That would yeah, be a huge change. They changed their Battle Pass system. Uh, another, another, I guess, franchise that is super comfy to me and that I always get every entry to is Pokemon. You know, I can yeah. objectively and critically acknowledge that Pokemon has a lot of problems, uh, at least where, like, innovation is concerned, right? But, like, that critical part of my brain doesn't matter at all when a new Pokemon game com- comes out, because I know how much I'll enjoy it just by virtue of the fact that it's a Pokemon game. Do you yeah, either, I, have I wish I like could that? still get that out of Pokemon, because I totally get what you're saying. Yeah, but I I rage too hard at Pokemon these days because <laughs> I hate Game Freak so much for ruining the franchise. So ruining the franchise, like I I understand they don't innovate at all. But they make them objectively the worse franchise? with every entry. They 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 don't just not innovate. They remove features that people like. They do remove features, but they also add other features. <sighs> I mean, yeah, they take out the Battle Frontier, which was, like, one of the most loved features of all time, and add watching your Pokemon walk around in a camp without being able to really interact with them at all. I, I, I will argue, yeah, so they, they do seem to take away, like, actual, like, gameplay slash progression features and replace them with, like, fluff features. Yeah, fluff like, features that you're like not going to get time out of. Like, yeah. yeah, like, Pokemon and me did not increase anyone's, like, But here's the time. thing. You know, like, you and me can argue that, right? But, like, their sales tell a different story. I think Sword and Shield was the best selling in the franchise, right? Yeah, but that has literally nothing to do with the things they added to it. They finally released a Pokemon game on a console. People have been begging for that for years. Like, it's all the marketing. The games don't sell. No, but like, my, my it's argument all about was the that, franchise. Right, like, they, but, like, they, with Sword and Shield, they've proved that they can strip away whatever they want and they'll be fine. Which yeah, and that's why I don't buy it, is because they, you know, like, I, I'm sending a message that you can't yeah. ruin this franchise that I love and still get away with it. Yeah, so, so yeah, I, I understand your arguments completely, but, like, I still, Pokemon hasn't pushed me over the edge yet. I still enjoy every entry for what they, they are. They could release um, Pokemon Red reskinned every single year and still, like, break sales records every time. I guarantee yeah, it. Yeah, it's like, Pokemon. Yeah, no one cares. It, especially like, Pokemon everyone, Red. Red, like yeah. obviously everyone loves Gen One. 
I, I don't care for Gen 1. I don't like any of it. I, I, your, I like the designs and everything, but I don't think the games are that good. I don't play what, Fire What's Red. your favorite generation? Um, Gen 3, probably, for nostalgia purposes. Yeah. But if I'm picking a favorite game, it's Soul Silver, a remake of Gen 2. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I just wanted to bring up Pokemon because I think that franchise is unique for me in that uh, even, even new entries can evoke that sense of comfortable nostalgia. For me, it's got a lot of comfy potential for me <laughs> that they yeah. want. Yeah, because I mean, like, just just look at the graphics like uh, Sinnoh. Sinnoh is probably an, it's an incredibly comfy region. You got that area with all the uh, too much the water. water. And, huh? Too much water. That's no, Gen- wait, that's, that's Hoenn. Hoenn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good try. Uh, Unova also had a crap ton of water, if I remember properly. I have not played that, those ones. We're that, getting was, a gen- that was when I, as a child, realized Pokemon was going down the toilet. We're, yeah, we're you're right. We're getting way a, off track. I, I was just going to... No, I was actually, I was going to say we're due for a Gen 4 remake this year, but we are yes, also I'm excited for track. that. Oh, I got the skip. This is the hardest one I know how to do. <laughs> Good luck. Well, but actually. yeah, I think, I think Mike, you, you were actually going through your comfort games, and then we got super sidetracked. Do you have anything else you want to spotlight? Uh, I know you play Valorant. There. Valorant... <sighs> Uh, it's not a comfort so, game. So that's not uh, yeah, not for you. Okay. Ooh, I haven't played Valorant in a while though. I I think I just got. Oh, sorry, not Valorant. Warframe. That's what I meant to say. Warframe. Yeah, no, Valorant. I haven't played in. Yeah, yeah Warframe is probably the shooter way, that has yeah. the most comfy potential. Warframe is definitely a comfy shooter because you can just, it, depending on how you could play it, super sweaty and shoot your guns, or you could just press the number, the four key on your keyboard over and over again and get the same results really sounds a lot like maple story you could just get you could either be sweaty or comfy there's a lot of in between on both of those and i love it for that yeah like sometimes you just want to relax so you load up a defense in warframe and just like grind meaninglessly through uh (laughs) through mooks until you get bored and decide i'm done yeah, I think for me the biggest thing that uh, biggest thing that indicates to me that a game is comfortable is the absence of stress, right? So like, I'm never stressed or pressed when I'm playing a Pokemon game. I'm never like that when I'm playing Maple Story. I'm never like that when I'm playing Civilization. Well, yeah, I I don't get stressed when playing Civilization. I get way too into it, but I don't get stressed. Uh, it's when it's when you start playing games with, I think, consequence more and more than that that you move away from that comfy nature. Yeah. I I honestly okay. There are some situations. This this might be very unique to me, but there are some situations where stress immerses me a little bit more, which increases the comfiness. Like I find Minecraft hardcore extremely comfy, but that's partially hardcore, because I am far like, more. If, if you die, you lose the world. Yeah, that's yeah, that's I would be on edge the whole time. See, I find it super comfy because I don't care that much. And like I'm more I, I because I have to pay extra attention that that results in me being more immersed in the game. And yeah. so that increases my comfort because I'm just noticing the small stuff. Like when things go well for me, I care a lot more when things go poor for me. I care a lot more. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Like, personally, I think that would be, like, 
any any threat of like you know losing your game save or like character progression is just that would take me out of my comfort zone for sure see that just goes into us uh you know i like roguelikes i i do not mind losing progress so oh uh, yeah yeah i don't know like i i wonder it's 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 a definitely a difference in like i guess personality where i feel like there always has to be progression for me you know like otherwise i feel like what i'm doing is pointless which i know that's not the case right but that's just how i you know i, I feel I when i play those games I find late game noita, like when you go on those like 18 hour runs or whatever, I've never actually done 18 hours, but the really long noita runs, they get comfy eventually because you kind of get into a rhythm of like just kind of killing everything instantly and looting. And, you know, there's not a ton of risk of death at that point, And you're just kind of exploring this world, trying to roll the dice over and over to get the perks you want. Yeah. That's how it feels in a lot of games. Although, I've seen a lot of criticism of Noida, because uh, to a lot of people, Noida is one of those games that you require like a PhD in like astrophysics to actually fully understand, and the game obstrificates a lot of info. Yeah, it took me 40 hours on a wiki to get to the point that RNG <laughs> wasn't the only determining factor. Yeah, That's crazy. It, <laughs> yeah. I... I I do like games that don't, like, pull punches, but sometimes you can obstrificate real well, and it's just not worth playing the game. To be clear, early game Noita is not comfy at all. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I get it, right? To be fair, like, the more you play a game, the more comfortable it becomes, right? Like, obviously, like, I guess t- tying it back to speedrunning, like, a speedrunner... Like, who speed runs like say Mario 64 would just find playing the game probably pretty comfortable, you know? Yeah, like when I when I was first learning this trick and like went a hundred a hundred tries without ever getting it, that was not comfy. That was frustrating, and I was sitting there like, man, are we even going to be able to like get past level one in this speed run? But now I get it like twenty percent of the time or something, something like that. I don't know. I hope nobody runs the numbers on this episode. <laughs> and like, I don't know. It's not too bad to load a save state over and over and try to build muscle memory. I, I kind of yeah. like just sitting here putting on some music or putting on a stream or something, kind of zoning out and just letting my hands do it and my brain be totally somewhere else. Yeah. And then you do something like that. <laughs> yeah, just I'm just watching you play and... Uh... You know, I've actually never played Spyro 3 before, so I'm just, yeah. like, the characters... You haven't played any of them, have you? I've played a little of one in the remake, and I was enjoying it a lot, but again, you know, like, distracted. But uh, Three's the comfiest one for me, but that's mostly nostalgia. I, I yeah. don't mind one. I think it's an okay game. It definitely doesn't have anything on 2 and 3, though. It just, there's way more to do in 2 and 3. Yeah, okay. But yeah, I think... Uh, I mean, I've basically given out my comfy games. Do you guys have any more you want to list, or are we ready to? Move I mean, on? I know RuneScape is extremely comfy for a lot of people. It does nothing. Oh for yeah, me, we've had we had I, a couple I feel of we'd our be uh, not to say it. And couple wow. of our Discord members talking about that last night. Uh, yeah, shout out to Ryan and the yeah. other guy. Yeah, yeah, RuneScape. I don't know. Like I, I've 
I was definitely hooked into RuneScape when I was younger, right? Like late elementary, early middle school. Like that was like all I played. And that was like the perfect. I, I specifically remember like mining Rune Essence and then like 10 year old me thinking like this is the most Zen like thing I've ever done in my life. Yeah, that's and that's exactly the same as like digging digging the three by three hole in uh Minecraft for me. But yeah, like since then I've tried to go back and play RuneScape and I just could not get into it. Yeah. Yeah. But for some I think reason, a lot of that is your friends aren't there anymore. Because I've tried to get back into Mobinogi a couple times and it's just no, but, seeing but what I was about to say, for some reason, I did get back into Maple Story, even though I don't really have anyone that plays that. Well, you I only don't play it in a time. way that would be compatible with friends playing with you anyway. <laughs> to be, yeah, I bet, but to be fair, I feel like Maple Story just encourages that too. Now they just encourage you to like level up as fast as you can, and yeah. then like at the end of the game, like then things open up and more like uh, team-based activities open up, which is kind of backwards, I think. But yeah. I don't I know. That's, I think that's pretty common in like WoW. Yeah, too. Like I think that's the way MMOs. The max level and I think that's the way MMOs do things nowadays. Yeah. You're supposed to like make friends along the way to help you get through the story, and then you get to the end, and you've got your friends, and yeah. I don't know. You've got your friends. You got anything else, Mike? Uh, not really for comfy games. Okay. Uh, let's move into what we're playing. Uh, I can go first this week. Okay. Which, uh, it's it's funny. I've actually been playing Pokemon Sword. So I went... I felt the urge to play Pokemon, right? So I, I took out my Switch, uh, booted up my save, and I was just like, yeah, this, this post-game stuff isn't really doing it for me. So I deleted my save and just started again from the beginning. And I'm really enjoying it, you know? Like, we ragged on Pokemon Sword and Shield so much in the months leading up to its launch, and rightfully so, I think. Uh, like, what they did to the Pokedex was pretty inexcusable. But just taking it in a vacuum, like, I'm having a blast just chilling out and catching Pokemon and playing this game. And I think one big positive for this game is the gym battles. I think this game does gym battles better than any other Pokemon game, really. Because in the Galar region, like, Pokemon gym battles are, like, considered, like, a sporting event, right? So, like... You've got like packed stadiums, you're wearing your jersey, and you go out on the onto the field and there's like a cheering crowd uh watching your gym battle and it's just such a cool feeling that I don't think the other Pokemon games really captured, right? Yeah. In the I other agree Pokemon games, you just sort of walk into a gym, like everyone's just standing around, you beat them all and then you leave. Uh there's a lot more like theater and pageantry to the gym battles in this game, and I think that's really cool. Yeah, I think Pokemon Coliseum kind of captured that in a couple of instances. Yeah. I think so, too, yeah. I, I do think Pokemon, um, this is a deep cut, possibly. I don't know if you guys are going to know this game, but Pokemon Battle Revolution on the Wii, probably. Oh, yeah. yes, I, I know that Pokemon game. Battle Revolution made a Pokemon battle feel like like the Super Bowl. Like, it was yes, incredible. I, and I, I think that's a feeling Pokemon should preserve going forward, because, like, I don't think I've ever been hyped for a gym battle before this game, but, like, all of the gym battles in Sword got me so excited because it's just because they nail the presentation of it too. Like you start out in like the tunnel, like of the stadium, and you walk forward, and then the crowd becomes more visible, and then suddenly you're hit with the blast of like cheering and like clapping and stuff and screaming, and then like 
the music say it's in. as good as Battle Revolution? Because if so, I'll buy that game tonight, probably. Um, I to be honest, I haven't pl- like I've only seen Battle Revolution, so I don't remember the how the competitive like stadium like battles go in that game. Could you Battle maybe? Re- it was all competitive, like stadium-like battles. Like it was, uh, you, you would connect diamond or pearl to it and import okay, the team. Yeah. And then the battle revolution, I think, is like the name of the island you're on or something. And you, it, it was kind of like a a whole other battle frontier, basically. Yeah. Except it was on a console and everything, and had like you know good for the time 3D graphics, and there would always be like an announcer announcing every move and stuff, and like, um. Okay, Kinda, yeah. So he, there, they had different there is dialogue. no. Unfortunately, and, like, there's you could no. Literally, hear the crowd cheering the whole time and stuff. Yeah, and like so you can hear the crowd in in, in the gym battles in Pokemon Sword and Shield, but there's no announcer, right? Because there's no voice dialogue in Pokemon still. That's a mistake. So that's unfortunate. They, yeah, I, I, I would have been announcing yeah. a lot. Because I loved Pokemon Battle Revolution. It also had really good character customization. Yeah, and actually, Sword and Shield have great customization too. Like, you there's various like clothing shops and hair salons in every single town, and you can like buy different clothes and different hairstyles from different towns, and really sort of customize your look. Like, down to like, like down to the smallest article of clothing. Like, you can customize your socks, you can customize your shoes, shorts, shirt, backpack, sunglasses. I do, I do like that. Yeah. So, that's, how's the DLC? I uh yeah so I, that's actually another reason I went back uh to Pokemon Sword because I had never played the DLC and I started so like the DLC can basically be accessed whenever as you're playing the game uh the second DLC it's definitely like recommended you do like post game because the Pokemon are super high level but you can go there whenever you want and from what I've seen like it's pretty cool right like they ba- basically add uh two more wild areas to the game yeah so so the wild area i think was the most impressive part about pokemon sword and shield right like especially because you had that collaborative element in the wild area you could team up with your friends and catch like dynamax pokemon or maybe even try to hunt like a legendary pokemon and uh they added more of that which is which is really good in my opinion it also has like that dungeon mode right and uh the ice the crown tundra yeah i don't know too, I haven't really gotten to that yet. Like I've just barely checked out the Crown Tundra, and that's like the late. Like they like you should go there like post game because like everything's like sixty plus over there. Mm. So like, see, I that's went, th- yeah, that's the one that's kind of got me interested enough. But there are two things stopping me, and that's that like I'm not sure I have it in me to play through that baby game. You know, to get to that point, I really don't know if yeah. I have it in me. And I also, am I going to spend $90 on a game that I just spent an entire podcast dumping on? Like, yeah. probably not, huh? So, uh, yeah, the, the price point is definitely an issue, right? Like, Nintendo games hardly ever get discounted, and, like, I don't think Pokemon's really worth $90. Mm-hmm. But I do I do think that, like, for all the ragging we did on Sword and Shield, like, obviously before it came out, like, I think it's really grown into a pretty solid game, especially because the expansions have added back a lot of the missing Pokemon. So I think this game supports the majority of the Pokemon. It should support all of them, of course. But, like, it's been fully integrated with Pokemon Home, which is, like, the new version of Pokemon Bank, right? 
where right. like you store your Pokemon in a cloud server. Or you, yeah, where you can spend like ten bucks a year or whatever to have, it's, yeah, have it's Nintendo give you a single kilobyte of storage on a server yeah. somewhere. I, I mean, it, it's stupid that you even have to pay for it, but like it, it costs like like a very low amount of money. It's like five bucks a month. It's five bucks a year, I think. Yeah, so, I think so. Yeah. But um, but yeah, Which, you can Pokemon Home does support you know obviously all Pokemon, right? So like even if you have like the one or two Pokemon that you really want that you can't bring into Sword and Shield. You can keep them in there and hopefully bring them into a future game. Yeah, I think but, a lot of the Pokemon missing right now are Sinnoh Pokemon, and people are thinking, like, with the release of the Sinnoh remakes, uh, yeah. that'll complete the decks. Right. But yeah, like, it's it's interesting, because, like, I think... I think buying the expansions, like, obviously it, it expands your Pokedex, too, but I think it, like, it inserts Pokemon that weren't there in the base game like rather than just putting them in the dlc regions right so like the variety of pokemon you encounter is much higher you also so, don't have to buy the dlc to be able to put those like if you have those games oh, really? in your pokemon bank you don't have to have the dlc to to get those pokemon that's really cool i didn't know that i don't think that's really cool i think that's the bare minimum they could do <laughs> but yeah well yeah <laughs> but you know knowing game freak i expected the opposite yeah but uh, oh, yeah. yeah, like I, I'm, I'm surprised at how much I'm enjoying Sword. You know, like the biggest thing that stood out to me this time playing through it, and I have like five or six gym badges. Uh, the biggest thing was the gym battles. Like, really, kind of get me excited. Uh, and I think they're really well done in these games. And I think the designs are decent, right? Like, obviously, Gen one through I think four probably are the strongest, but. But I think, you know, Gen 8, Galar Pokemon are better than 7 and 6, I would say. Which I think 7 and 6 were pretty atrocious design-wise. See, I, I can't agree with that. Especially since uh, in Alola, they introduced, like, the, the Alolan forms The Alolan, okay, all the Alolan Pokemon are cool. Like, yeah. but other than that, it was it was iffy to me. I do like, so they, they continue that uh, yeah. sort of theme. They You have Galarian Pokemon, right? And most of them are Kanto, right? But not all of them, which is good, right? Like, there's, there's, I think, one even from, like, Gen 5 that has Galarian form. Oh, that's really cool. Which that's, is uh, very which inclusive. Is, yeah, <laughs> very inclusive. But, like, yeah, you've got, like, Galarian Weezing, and he's hilarious because, like, his smoke, like, forms, like, a mustache and a top he hat. He becomes a proper British gentleman yeah. is what he becomes. He does. Yeah. A bloke. A bl- proper <laughs> a bloke. bloke. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, um, we've got Galarian, let's see, I think the expansion added Galarian Slowpoke in Galarian Slowbro, Galarian Slowking, and he's like Psychic and Poison type, which is kind of a unique typing. They've also got like Galarian Ponyta and, and uh, Rapidash, I think they call the evolution something else, but it's, it's like a fairy type and it looks way different and I don't know, I, I like the idea of Pokemon that live in different regions evolve and exist differently it's it's kind of neat to me but yeah overall really liking pokemon sword and i definitely plan on uh getting through the dlc that's like the main reason i decided to go back because i remember both of the dlcs are out and i was just itching for some pokemon so i decided to start over and uh yeah yeah you'll have to let me know your feelings on the dlc because i still might break and buy that game eventually Yeah, I'll do that. All right, who wants to go next? 
Uh, I can go next. Uh, I've been playing a lot of Minecraft uh, lately. That's uh, what kind of inspired me to want to talk about comfy games this week. I, uh, I'm i just really into Redstone right now. I've always been super into like the automation mods and stuff in Minecraft, but because I've always played those, I've never actually messed around with the vanilla stuff you can do with yeah. Redstone. And it turns out there's actually some like pretty interesting stuff you can do. I'm kind of... Stre- I'm not super good at it. I mean, I... I I will say I honestly find, like, the computer engineering courses I took in college where I was actually building computers on a breadboard were easier than Redstone to me. (laughs) That's funny. But I still really enjoy it. And, like, I don't know. The hard part about Redstone is, like, getting it to fit in places and stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Or, like, just, you know, not shorting the Redstone out, basically. Yeah, Redstone, to me, like, I I always found it really fascinating you know just from a theoretical standpoint but like i never actually played with it myself like i never like never when i play minecraft do i really experiment with redstone at all it's just kind of there for me but like yeah that's cool that you're you're diving i find it super fun like there's there's all these like actual practical things you can build and there's also like i'm having a ton of fun building things that are like almost practical like i have a down in our mine i'm playing with a couple of friends and down in our mine, I put a chest, and the chest is connected to an item elevator. So, like, if you put items in this chest, they get sent to a chest upstairs. Mm-hmm. The problem is that it is much faster to just go upstairs. <laughs> but if you don't feel like it, and, like, nobody's in urgent need of those items, you can just chuck them in that chest, and they'll be up there waiting for you when the time comes. <laughs> okay. Stupid yeah. stuff like that. I'm just having a ton of fun building. Uh, some of it's a little more practical, like... uh. The number of books you have around an enchantment table changes the enchantments you can get. So I'm building, like, the, the one I have right now takes and adds books. 15 is the max, uh, so it takes and adds books five at a time. But I want to build one that has, like, two buttons, and, like, one button increases the number of books. The other button decreases it, and, like, yeah. maybe an extra button to max it out or something. And I so would say that, like... I think Redstone's fantastic in that I think it's an excellent gateway for children into, like, thinking, you know, thinking in binary, thinking like a computer. See, that's that's where you're wrong. I thought that, too. Redstone really? is not binary. Redstone has signal strengths. <laughs> yes. Oh, Redstone it does? Redstone has signal really? strength between 0 and 15. I thought it was just on or off. Nope. 0 and 15. <laughs> yep. Wow. <laughs> it is. Okay. Far more complicated than I once thought. I personally, all of my redstone constructions I've built so far, use it as a binary on or off thing. But it like, was, there it are was things just that on or like, off at one point, right? Surely, I don't I don't know. I think all that so mattered was whether it was it. on or off at one point. But it always, I think, only went 15 blocks. But now, like the actual like which block you're on matters for how much signal you get from it. So okay. I just use a repeater to uh, instantly boost my signal to 15. But you can do stuff like h- how full your chest is. That chest will give off a different amount of redstone signal. So wow. like, yeah. So, so there's like, like you a can capacitative wait. element to it. So you can like check whether or not a chest is full. If it's like sitting in a minecart or something, you can wait until that chest is full to launch that minecart or something. For instance, I'm not doing anything like that yet. I okay, will probably so, use yeah. the. Because that 15 is an awful happy number when you're building the bookcase thing that I'm building, you know? that. <laughs> yeah, that really kind of blows my mind. That, like, 
that like blows the door open even more on what's possible. But that's, that's like that's people building like, flip flops and stuff where, you know, it you can like save information using redstone. Yeah. And like I, I've built combination locks before. That was one of my favorite things to build when I was younger. I thought it was super cool to like build, even though like obviously you have to kind of suspend disbelief for this to be useful at all because it's Minecraft and everybody could just break your blocks or whatever. Right. But I always thought it was super interesting to like put a combination lock before you could get to my valuables chest when I would play multiplayer. Yeah. And, you know, like, just going back to my earlier statement, yeah, like, maybe, okay, so it's not binary at all, but, like, it still helps you think like an engineer if you're playing around with that stuff. And you can treat it like it's binary, which I am right now, but, uh, you know, signal strength, well, signal strength matters in computer engineering, but that's getting into extremely complicated stuff, so. Yeah, that's, that's super cool. Like, I didn't know that about Redstone. Yeah, like, I'm actually like I always I, I always watched like those insane videos where like people like program like Pokemon Red entirely in Redstone. That's and they use something Redstone. called like they use they, command blocks. It's command kind of blocks, right? That's they use that in conjunction with with Redstone, right? Yeah, but it's you know, they're not like building a Game Boy in Minecraft. They're programming an emulator or something in a command block, yeah. essentially. Command blocks are whack, because apparently you can even like pull information from the internet using a command block. Like, I saw no somebody way, really? build a subscriber counter in Minecraft. That's crazy. I think, yeah, I couldn't How tell if that it was possible? real or not. Yeah, I don't understand it. I couldn't tell for sure if it was real or not. I mean, if the scripting language is, like, good, that then yeah, I get it, but... But yeah, besides... I, know, besides I really want to put up a public Minecraft server, though, and, like... Yeah. If I do, I'll probably shout it out on the podcast. I'm, I won't give the... Uh, I'll probably give the Discord away for it. I don't... Uh, you know, I'm probably going to vet people. I'm not just going to put the IP out there because I'm not going to have, like, administrative tools or anything. Mm-hmm. But uh, we will see whether or not that happens. Because apparently, you can't connect to a dedicated server other than a realm if you're on console, which sucks because I don't want to pay for a realm if I can avoid mm-hmm. it. I may, you know, if I if I end up going with a realm, I'm probably, you know, if I was going to do it on my own PC, I was just going to, like, take donations. Like, if somebody wanted to throw me 50 cents or something to help me pay for electricity, if I do a realm, I'm probably going to have to, like, actually collect money from people who are willing to mm. fund it. Because I don't want to pay 11 bucks a month for something I am not going to be the primary user of, because I don't right. have enough time to play it all the time. So are you are you currently playing, like, on a server with friends, or are you just... Solo uh, Minecraft just, experience. Uh, I'm playing with friends, but it's just you know my friends playing on an Xbox, and we just only play uh-huh. when we can all three hop on. Right. Okay. Yeah, Minecraft. You know, like I've talked about Minecraft a lot on this podcast. Like, and like I said, everyone has Minecraft stories. It's just one of those games that that uh the stories sort of just write themselves when you play. There's that so game. many different ways to play it too. Like I've noticed, like the vibe. The vibe is so different based on, like, the context of the multiplayer you're playing in. Like, for instance, we're playing where we all, like, I'm not a huge builder, so my buddy Tyler is doing most of the building. My friend Whitney is doing most of the exploring, and I'm doing, like, a ton of, like, strip mining. I don't know if strip mining is the word, but, like, digging tunnels and stuff and mining that way under our house while she goes out and explores caves. That's super fun. Yeah, and then we just meet up at the end of it and, like... You know, we'll go into the nether together for the hard part, and, like, we're all going to get together and fight the ender dragon. But 
if I put up that public server, it's a totally different vibe. Everybody's going to have their own house. Right. And like, I, I've been watching uh, Ross O'Donovan just put up something called S- Epic SMP, and it's like a ton of YouTubers. It's kind of like trying to ride the hype of like everybody playing Among Us together. Mm-hmm. And he's like added a ton of YouTubers to a server, and they're using the Create mod, which is another thing. Super interesting. But um, I'm not going to get into that too much. But it's just I was watching Gus Johnson play on it. And, like, just walking around and seeing, like, cresting a hill in Minecraft is always interesting. You never know what you're going to find. But yeah. in multiplayer, like, on a bigger server, like, you could just crest a hill and see, like, a castle that is, n- like, nothing you've ever seen before. Or, like, a mansion. Or, in his case, it was a KFC, I think, or a Popeye's. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> but, like, it's just incredible. Like, you the never KFC know. KFC you've never see. seen before. I mean, and it worked. No, but it, had like, a, it had an automatic chicken farm on it, and you could just go grab some chicken. That's so cool. No, yeah. but I really like your comment of uh, how how Minecraft multiplayer can just have completely different vibes depending on who you're playing with, right? Because, like, yeah. when I play with my friends, right, like, it was so interesting because, like, we all sort of sectioned off and did our own things, right? We made, you know, makeshift houses and settlements and stuff. And then it just turned into this really weird, like, game of thrones-esque series of like betrayals and alliances yeah and like eventually we all met at like a round table and like peace was almost achieved but then one of us brought like tnt to it and blew up the whole thing and then it ruined all the peace talks and we were all like at war again yeah it's just i don't know things like that that's why i kind of want to don't do any moderation because like stealing is a scummy thing to do but it also does kind of make the game interesting yeah no, it was yeah. super fun. And then I also remember, I, I think I mentioned on the podcast how we, we implemented, like, the hunting game. Because, like, someone, like, after, like what, when everything was peaceful, one guy was still, like, stealing things. So we straight up just assembled a squad to, like, hunt him <laughs> yeah. down to the ends of yeah. the earth and just killed, killed him, like, completely. And yeah. so then, like, that was just so much fun because, like, we, we had, like, maps and we were, like, tracking him and, like, all these things. So we just made hunts. <laughs> A regular thing you know like you know i would be the hunted everyone else would be the hunter i had like a 20 minute head start to hide and gather supplies and stuff and like we made a game out of it it was super fun yeah i can't wait i mean i I don't want to say that microsoft is mismanaging minecraft because i don't think that's really fair i think it is insane that they have been working on the scripting api for as long as they have and like we don't really have anything to show for it because the mods you can make in java and stuff if that was possible on bedrock like the world opens up, you know, yeah. like people make other. I think, I think people already do make other game modes and stuff for bedrock. I'm not really sure. So what, what is bedrock exactly? Is that the console version? Bedrock is the windows 10 version, the console version and the iOS and Android version and all okay. bedrock and Nintendo switch and stuff. And all bedrock can play multiplayer together. So that's the reason I'm playing on bedrock, even though like mm-hmm. the mods and stuff I want are on Java it's because yeah. I want to play with my buds. You know, it's it's more fun that yeah. way. Yeah, you know, you know what's really weird? Did my did did they take away like those multiplayer mini games? Because I remember like recently I tried to find them with my friends and we couldn't find them. I don't know. I mean, I I'm, think they I'm straight up just confused. took them away because they there used to be like races and stuff, and we have lots of fun like doing those, but we we just couldn't find them again. I don't know. I know PlayStation switched over to the Bedrock version. Oh, have you updated? You might be on the legacy version of Minecraft. You might not be running Bedrock, because both are available. If you didn't yeah, re-download I mean, it, you might I mean, not be on Bedrock. 
it's been a while since I've checked out Minecraft, so probably this is before Bedrock. But yeah, yeah you I, probably I, need to switch. I just over hope to that those multiplayer modes are back because th- those were a lot of fun. Yeah, I remember day. playing a lot of Hunger Games with a friend back in the yeah, day. Yeah, Hunger Games too. Yeah, and Spleef. Spleef is a classic. But yeah, I, I if I could play Tech It with my friends on console, I don't know that I would play other games. Like, I love Tech It so much. Tech It and Feed the Beast. They're I can't tell you the difference between the two. I love both of them. What What are those again? Those are mod packs for uh oh okay for Minecraft Java edition, and um they add like insane stuff like the ability to build automated quarries and stuff that will like dig out an area for you as long as you can keep them powered. They mm-hmm. add like there's a thing called Mistcraft, which is like you write these books using stuff you find, and the books when you read them teleport you to a world based on what the book has in it. So like, and like the good things that you write in a book have consequences essentially that are random unless you add your own consequences. So like maybe you find something that replaces dirt with diamonds for the world you're building. But like if you don't add a consequence to that, there's a good chance it's also going to rain TNT the whole time you're in there or like constantly strike lightning everywhere. It's super interesting. Minecraft really is the gift that keeps on giving. It's such a special game. Yeah. The thing about tech and stuff is that those mods are pretty intense and uh, so they don't typically work great on bigger servers, mm. okay. or at least they have to be restricted. Because you don't want, like, you know, a Minecraft world is big enough already, but if you have, like, nine different dimensions loaded in at the same time because <laughs> of different people playing with Minecraft right. and all. And it also, um, it adds stuff where you can, like, keep a chunk loaded in so that uh, your quarry can work no matter where you are. And you have to definitely limit that just because, obviously, there are only... You know, PC resources are finite. Right. But I, I love it so much. I think Hytale is maybe going to capture some of that. I'm excited for Minecraft to have some competition. You know, you, you say PC resources are finite, right? But, like, I wonder what would happen, like, if some billionaire, billionaire with nothing better to do just got, like, the most disgusting AWS servers and just created them ultimate minecraft world you know like yeah that would be pretty would be. cool i mean uh, there are engine limitations at that point as well but mm. all right yeah mike uh well i guess i haven't really been playing much i could talk about phasmophobia because i put almost 100 hours into that game already sure well it turns out there's a lot more mechanical depth than you th- than you think for a game developed by one person because there's uh, I mean, a lot that goes yeah. on behind the scenes that determines what the ghost will do, when it'll do it, why it'll do it, what evidence you can grab from the ghost, if the ghost is going to be awful or not. It's just, just so much going on behind the scenes and so much like math. It's bonkers for a single-person indie game to have that much. Yeah, I'll I'll tell you at least from my perspective when we played Phasmophobia together on our like Halloween episode or whatever, like that was the first time I played that game and to me it just seemed completely random, which I guess is a good thing, right? Cuz like yeah, when you first joined it, it should seem horror, random. Yeah, horror then, yeah. should be random to be scary, I think. But um but yeah, like it, it's cool to know that like it's all sort of calculated behind the scenes. Yeah, it's all 
based on like algorithms and everything. And the dev, dev is working hard on trying to make it more balanced because there are some balance problems with it right now. Notably thermometers. Yeah. Yeah, they seemed oh. uh, a little pointless. Yeah, they're way too powerful. Really? I thought they were stupid and pointless. Thermometers? Because, like, no, they're super powerful. Really? See, I would have said, like, you can see your breath. Why do you need a thermometer? But Only if it's freezing temperatures. That's it. If it's not... But thermometers allow you to basically go in and find the ghost in, like, a minute right now. Mm. And they really remove a lot of the guesswork out in the smaller maps, which are the fun maps because the large maps suck. I like the school. I thought it was fun. School's fun, but it's also a large map, so they're not exclusively, like, easy to play on or, you know, enjoyable. Like, the biggest map is an asylum, and asylum is absolutely a bad time to play on. It's not comfy at all. You're just sitting there <laughs> waiting for this ghost to show up because you don't know where it is. Although, it, when when it does hunt, you still get those moments of, oh, God, why? But I, I, I do enjoy it very much. It's fun to play. It's fun to get drunk, too. Yeah, I see it, that. It honestly does fit it nicely into that uh, comfy games aesthetic. Once you get past the horror, it's very comfy. <laughs> yeah, once you get past the horror, that's the thing for me. Like, I don't think a horror game could ever be comfy for me. Once you know exactly what's going to happen and when, it gets a lot less horrifying. Yeah, that game is not going to stay scary forever. That game kind of stopped being scary for me, like, in just the time we played it. It didn't get boring, but it did get less scary. It doesn't get boring, mm. it just gets less scary. Like, it's still exciting to play. Yeah, I mean, and there's still always the risk of dying. God, I just had a really good seashell. Yeah. Sure. That's a PB. Where's your it's, timer? I don't have a timer, so I'm not it's timing anything yet. Not an official PB. Uh, but like, there's even a speedrunning community built around Phasmo. That makes sense. A lot of RNG though. How does that board. work? Just like you, you catch uh, all the ghosts or something? Yeah. How fast you can identify the ghost and complete objectives? I've done an entire Phasmophobia hunt in under five minutes. That's the setup time for like the easiest difficulty is five minutes so, before the so ghost. So I guess my question is things. like, if you so if you do that setup in five minutes and you go in and do it again, like well, it won't be the same, will it? Like I'm assuming there's some random parameters. There is randomness. The ghost's okay. location ra is random. Its activity is random. Sometimes you'll get a ghost that's very active, and other times you'll get a ghost that's very uh, very passive. And won't do much. Sometimes you'll walk into the ghost room and it'll just start throwing stuff at you. And other times you'll walk in and it will do nothing for hours. You'll just be sitting in there yelling at it and hoping that it will do something. So to be clear, you don't mean literally hours, right? Not literally hours. I think my longest hunt was upwards of 30-40 minutes, but yeah, it was an asylum. Your favorite and stage. My favorite stage. I hate it. It takes so long, and you're just stuck looking at cameras, waiting to waiting for this ghost to spawn while two people walk it. Because you can outrun the ghost. The ghost is outrunnable unless it's a revenant. If it's a revenant, then well, hide because it's they're fast. It's supposed to be tense though, Mike. 
Yeah, it's it's tense because if you mess up your kiting, you're going to die. But if you know what you're doing and there's a long enough hallway, the ghost presents no threat on big maps. Hmm. High school, you just have to walk in a straight line. That's why I like playing small maps, because at least the ghost is somewhat of a threat. But on, like, prison, oh, you just find a long hallway and run away. Yeah, like, I don't know. Like, I'm already sort of just listening to this, looking forward to Halloween so we can play more scary games. <laughs> I'm really, I've really sort of taken to horror titles over the last year or so. Got like They're fun. There's a lot of that. nice design that goes into it. Yeah. We don't have to wait till Halloween to do a spooky episode. We don't have the viewership for that. We can just do it whenever we want. <laughs> yeah, let's just do three years. Let's do spooky in July or something stupid. Yeah. We could do that. We could do a scary Valentine's Day. <laughs> scary Valentine's Day. So yeah, sure. I'm down fun. for that. <laughs> play uh play uh Doki Doki Literature Club. I prefer it vastly to my normal sad Valentine's Day. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> Doki Doki Literature Club. That's that's a perfect scary Valentine's Day game, isn't it? That 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 yeah. like fits the bill completely. What's scary about that game? Isn't it just a dating sim? Yeah, yeah. Yep. All right, that's gonna do it for us this week. Thank you guys for listening. You can catch us at Ad Podcast Game Talk on Twitter. Please like, rate, and review us on any podcast service you use, as well as YouTube. Uh, please click the link in the description of the podcast to join our discord and talk to us there thank you connor and mike yep see you guys next week see you next time bye see you guys next